0: Have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 9. When Pam and I pulled up out front, and I saw the marquee and said the pastor's series is on changed. I thought, well, he probably wasn't counting on this. Reminded me of a story I heard about a lady. She and her best friend went down to the police department to report that her husband was missing. And uh, the officer in charge said, uh, Well, ma'am, I need some information, a description. She said, Well, he's 6'5", long, wavy, black hair, tan, handsome, well-built, kind, treats me and the children like angels. Her best friend, her next-door neighbor, said, You lie." You liar. He's five, eight, fat, bald headed, ugly as sin, treats you and those youngins like dirt. She said, I know, but who wants him back? (laughs) When John called me yesterday morning to see if I was available, uh, his heart was breaking because his boy had been injured. I heard a concerned pastor wanted to leave his church with somebody to preach, but I also heard a heavy-hearted dad and husband who needed to be somewhere quick. You would have been the same way, and we want to pray. We're thankful it's no more damage to him than there was, but I know from dealing with people in the past, this is a Situation will take him a long time to get over. He'll be uh, filled with fear and concern and they will too. So we need to continue lifting lift up and be much in prayer for them. One of the wonderful things about the scripture is that it teaches us that our God deals with us on a personal basis. If you're here today and you're like me, you're saved. Now I have no doubt, I'm blood-bought born again blood washed i'm saved many of you in this room know that you're saved the reason you know that is because somewhere in your journey the holy spirit of god sat down on you and did personal business with you to me one of the great powers of scripture is that jesus in his lifetime dealt with people on a personal basis And sometimes in our preaching and our teaching, we overlook that. We make it so general that we broadcast a broadcasted message that's broader than it really should be. And we miss the real lessons of a scripture. I found that to be true here in John chapter 9 a few weeks ago. Pam and I were visiting one of our small churches on a Sunday night. And the pastor preached a good, strong message out of this text. But as I was listening to him and reading the scripture, I realized that I had missed something powerful in the pages, in the verses of this particular passage of scripture. And that was the understanding of this man that Jesus was dealing with. So what I'd like to do this morning is lift him out of that story and help you perhaps see for a few moments just exactly what's going on in his life and how Jesus changed it in a very similar way to how he can change your life or has changed your life in the past. The Bible says here in John chapter 9 beginning in verse 1, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? Was it this man or was it his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must do the works of Uh, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is, by interpretation, sent. And he went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. And the neighbors, therefore, and they which uh, before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, this, this is he. But others said, He's like him, but he said, I am he. And therefore said they unto him, How, how were thine eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. Everybody else's ordinary day was never this man's day. His eyes did not work. His day was always different. He was born that way. The Bible says since birth he had been blind. This man was never awakened by the sunlight because he had never seen the sun. As he journeyed the adult years of his life's map, there was much that he never saw. He could hear the birds, but he could not see them. He could smell the flowers, but he could not see them. Thousands of things that sighted people, people took for granted, this man never saw. He was different. He was blind. And like most people, his other senses had kicked into a higher gear. He'd learned to see with his hands. He had learned special smells. He had learned to listen carefully and could hear things more clearly than normal people could hear. From childhood, he had heard things. The hearing was his curse. You know who they were. The religious crowd, the social elite, the small little children, all those folks who used cruel, uncaring, hurtful things to talk about an old blind beggar, thinking he could not hear them, but he could hear every word. They would verbalize the old view, the common belief of the day that a man suffered because of sin. Either he had sinned or his parents had sinned. It was easy to judge this blind man. It was easy to condemn him. It was easy to ridicule him. All of his life, those sensitive ears had feasted on this poison. It had taken its toll. He had accepted the fact that he was a social outcast. His self-esteem was non-existent. He had accepted the role of being the butt of all their cruel and nasty little jokes. But in himself he could not imagine what in the world he could have done or his parents could have done that would cause him to suffer all of his life. Oh no, he had never had an ordinary day. But the good news was he was about to have an extraordinary day because An extraordinary man was about to pass that way. I can see him, can't you, probably sitting there late in the evening one evening contemplating what he might could scratch together for a supper meal. When those sensitive ears hear another of those judgmental discussions, he's aware that around him has gathered another crowd and their focus is on him. His radar of awareness told him a crowd was there and again he was the reason why. So he perked up, not knowing what was about to happen, and then he heard it. Somebody asked, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents, that he was born blind? I don't think the blind man heard that question. I don't think he was much concerned with the religious debate or argument of sin causing blindness. I think what that man heard was... The name Master. It got his attention. You see, by now Jesus had begun to get a reputation. He was doing things that only God could do. Jesus was giving hope. He was performing and doing things that nobody else had ever done. If you go back in your Bible, you find shortly before this in John chapter 2, Jesus walked into a wedding ceremony. They'd run out of wine and he turned water into wine then in john chapter 3 we read that remarkable encounter where nicodemus the rich man came to christ in the middle of the night under cover of darkness and he said lord what must i do to be saved you remember what jesus said he says except the man be born again he cannot enter the kingdom of god and then in verse 17 of that chapter he says god sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved Then you turn over to John chapter 5 and we find ourselves in the country of Sychar, the city of Sychar in the country of Samaria. There in that city, the city of Samaria, there in that little town where Jews and Samaritans didn't mix, we find Jesus hot, thirsty and tired after a day of travel sitting by Jacob's well and a Samaritan woman comes to draw water and Jesus asks her to give him a drink. And she said, oh, no, 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 I I can't give you drink. I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew. And Jesus uttered some of the most fascinating words in those next few moments I've ever heard. And then he said to this woman, he said these words, woman, if only you knew what I have in store for you. Then in John chapter 5, Jesus is on the way to church. And on that Sunday morning, he walks by the pool of Bethesda. There's a man lying there. He'd been paralyzed since birth for 38 years. And Jesus asked him, he said, Wilt thou be made whole? And the man said, Lord, I have no man to get me to the pool. Jesus said, You don't need a man. You got me. Rise up, take up thy bed and walk. And the Bible says, Immediately. Immediately, the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. In John chapter 6, Jesus is real popular by now. People were hearing about all these things he was doing, and they were coming from everywhere, 5,000 strong to hear this man. They wanted just to see him. And it was supper time. Jesus said, we got to feed these folks. He told his disciples, get some food. Well, Lord, we can't find anything but two fishes and a few loaves. Jesus said, bring it here. And the Bible says he fed the multitudes and gathered the fragments. And there was 12 baskets full. Right after that, he walks on water. Can't you see John punching Andrew in the ribs and saying, man, tell me I'm not seeing why. Is he really walking on water? And now here in chapter 9, we find Jesus fixated on a blind man like a bird dog on point. This man been that way since birth. And his disciples asked him, Lord, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents that he was born blind? On an ordinary day, that wouldn't seem like very much, but this was an extraordinary day. May I tell you that I believe that just because this man was physically blind in this moment, in this exact point of time, I don't believe, without a doubt, he could see. He could see with his heart. He could see with his mind. For the first time in this man's life, this blind man's life, out of the deep throes of depression and lostness, a ray of hope had sprung up. Remember, he has sensitive ears. He's been listening to all those stories about what Jesus had done. And he's thinking, if this really is him, and he made a paralyzed man 38 years whole, if he made wine out of water and did all these other things, this might be my opportunity. So he is keenly aware that this man called masters in his presence. He had heard people talking about a person A man who could do God-sized things. He'd heard about miracles that others had received. And now in this moment, he didn't hear theological arguments. He didn't hear artificial antidotes. All he heard was master. Was this him? His heart's about to beat out of his chest. Every nerve's on edge. And then it happens. He gets a divine answer. All of his life, he'd heard he was blind because of sin. And for the first time, he hears the real reason for his blindness. Look at verse 3. Jesus answered those disciples, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Wow! Did you hear what Jesus just said? He said he was blind from birth, so that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Now think about what's happening here, folks. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about God incarnate, God on earth, God in the flesh. He is man, but He is God. He is God, but He is man. The Bible says He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. How does that apply to this incident? It tells me, hear me, it tells me that from the beginning of time, this man has been on the mind of Christ. From the very anvil of creation, there has been a planned encounter with this man and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is no accident. This is no perchance meeting. This is a divinely conceived, planned, and expected moment in God's history. Jesus said... This man was made this way, so that I could prove to you that I am who I say I am. You say, surely not. I can't believe that God would allow one to suffer so that he could prove himself to the world. Are you kidding me? Your pastor is absent from his pulpit today because his son Suffered. We all suffer. Maybe not blindness, but from other ways. You see, man suffers. I, I don't know. Maybe we could have a testimony service this morning. There might be somebody in here who could stand up and say you've never had any suffering along the way. But I've got to tell you something. I try to walk a godly life and I've had my share of suffering. Can you agree with that statement? We all suffer. Man suffers so that God can have opportunity to work in his life. Man suffers so that God can show his compassion. Man suffers so that God can prove his power. Man suffers so that God can demonstrate that he does care and he does look after man. Man suffers because God leads unbelievers to trust him that way. That's why when you're sick, you call out, God be my healer. That's why when you're broke, you call out, God be my provider. That's why when you're burdened, you call out, God be my deliverer. That's why when you're lost, you call out, God be my Savior. For somebody here today, God is your rock. For somebody here today, Jesus is your shield. For somebody else, He's an anchor. For somebody else, He's light. For someone else, He's your friend. For somebody else, He's joy. For some of us today, he's our peace. For others, he's our only hope. For somebody today, he's your strength. For another, he's your high tower. For somebody else, he's your Ebenezer. For somebody else, he's the crevice in the rock. For somebody else, He's your Savior. For somebody else and all of us, He's our Lord of lords, our King of kings, and the rock of ages. Don't ever forget that Jesus never shines brighter than when we let Him shine through our lives, His works because of our suffering. We never see godly people shine more brightly than when they go through their suffering and shine for Jesus in the process. And most of all, let him shine through them. In the midst of this blind man's suffering, he gets a divine answer. But secondly, he receives a divine action. Look at verse 6. When he had thus spoken, speaking of Jesus... He spat on the ground and made clay of spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. In our tradition, we react to this as gross or repulsive, because spit or spitting is considered dirty or unclean. But in the tradition of this day, it was totally another story. You see, for the Jews, spit was considered a healing agent particularly in reference to blindness. In fact, there was a Jewish tradition in this day that the saliva of a legitimate firstborn heir, now I wonder what Jesus was, would have healing properties against injury or disease. Now, you got to realize Jesus is at war here. He's fighting the Pharisees and the Sadducees on every front. You see, they had created all kinds of rules and laws to help them interpret God's law to fit their purposes. And one of those laws was that you could not spit in the dirt on the Sabbath because it would be creating clay and that was considered to be work. That was one of their traditions. But you got to remember, it was not God's commandment. And Jesus had come to do the work of who? God. So he spits in the dirt. Now the title of my sermon today is When Jesus Spits in Your Dirt. I want you to think about the dirt for a moment. Some would say, well, you know, I just don't believe Jesus could spit in the dirt and use it to make a blind man see. Well, remember I've already called your attention to the fact that the Bible teaches Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Y'all believe that? I mean, y'all believe that. I'm not a real smart man, but I can kind of figure out, I can look back, yonder to the creation of man when God reached down in the dirt and formed a man. And somehow my mind tells me that if God reached down in the dirt and make a man, he can reach down in the dirt and take some of it and fix a man's eyes. Look at the dirt for a moment. D-I-R-T. The D stands for devastation. Are you aware that a man, a woman, a young person, is never more devastated than when they recognize their lostness, that they're hell bound and there's absolutely nothing they can do within themselves to be saved? That's true devastation. The I is for interest. That exact moment, that very moment, that man, woman, young person, or child becomes devastated over the reality of their eternity in hell, the Holy Spirit's very interested in having a conversation with you. The R is for relevance. That's a buzzword today. There's never a more relevant moment in a person's life than when they have the opportunity to do personal business with the Lord Jesus Christ. They're devastated. The Holy Spirit's talking to them. And now they have the opportunity. And T is for transformation. That's when you recognized out of your devastation with no hope, the Holy Spirit says there is hope, you recognize Jesus is the hope and you receive Christ and you're transformed and your life is changed and you're saved forevermore. Did you know that that's really a picture of all of our lives without Christ? Isaiah 64 6 says we're just dirt. We're all as filthy rags. There's nothing we can do about it within ourselves. It requires divine action. So listen to me today. Every person here, listen to me. God's doing personal business with you right now. Jesus spit into the dirt. Can I just tell you that if it's spit or a song or a scripture or a sermon, or a sign. It doesn't matter how he gets mixed up in your dirt. What I'm trying to tell you is, when Jesus mixes with your dirt, life can spring forth. 2011, just a few days from now, we'll celebrate five years ago, the tornadoes came through the north part of our county and totally destroyed it. I spent a year and three months of my life Coordinating volunteers, raising money, getting labor, working day and night trying to get people back in homes, people that had lost everything. We had a call from a team from Tennessee that wanted to come work. They came down, two buses loads of them, and they said, Before we start work tomorrow, we'd like to see the area. So I carried them on a tour. I never will forget pulling up on Mamre Hill. Y'all remember where the old Mamre Church was out there? It was totally destroyed. Man was in the basement killed that night. The church was totally destroyed. There wasn't a brick left on a brick. It's gone. And you look in any direction from there, and all you saw was total destruction. It looked like a bomb had been dropped. And I looked out across that Robert Trent Jones golf course. They told me later that they estimated they lost over 60,000 trees. It was just devastating. I mean, it was totally ruined. And I'm telling the story to these people. And I'm telling them about how you can see a house from Mammer Hill. You can see a house right down there. The first day after the storm, I'm there. The couple from that house came to me. They had found a dead baby in their yard that came from Tuscaloosa. Those are the stories you haven't heard about that. It was devastating. I'm telling the story, and all of a sudden behind me I hear, <coughs> 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 and I turn around and the irrigation system's coming on that golf course. One sprinkler, the next sprinkler, all the way down a fairway and down the next fairway, up and down those fairways, water begins to sprinkle. And in that moment, God spoke to me and he said, son, even in the midst of death, life springs forth. Can I tell you today, the good news is that even in the midst of your death, your devastation, life Springs forth. When Jesus spits in your dirt, life springs forth. Thirdly, not only a divine answer, a divine action, but thirdly, he gives a divine announcement. Jesus told him after he had anointed his eyes to go and wash in verse 7. He did. And the Bible says he came back seeing. And everybody was amazed. Some doubted. Some questioned is this him? Is this that same old blind beggar we've been looking at for years? What just happened here? Is this the same guy? Is this some kind of cruel joke on us? Somebody yelled, hey, if you really can see, and you really are him, how did you get your sight? Then came the divine announcement. Verse 11. He answered and said, man that's called Jesus made clay anointed my eyes and said unto me go to the pool of Siloam and wash and I went and washed and I received my sight now it's your turn when Jesus spits in your dirt and people want to know just tell them A man named Jesus passed by. And all I can say is, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Let me tell you one last thing, and I'm through. Bible says, Jesus spit in the dirt and made clay. This is important. Watch this. It's an application. You see, Jesus could just have easily spoken and that man would have gotten his sight. Y'all believe that? He could have just said, be healed. He did that with others. But this time he chose to spit in the dirt and make clay. And he took that clay. Now most people would think that if you're trying to heal a man's eyes, you're trying to take something away. But he put the clay over his eyes, which means to most people that he was intensifying the blindness. You know why he did that? He was constantly confounding the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He did it just to spite them. I believe that with all my heart. He did it just to show them, again, He was who He said He was. He was all about confounding the Pharisees and Sadducees. But He used clay. When He saved you, or if you're here today and you let Him save you, He wants to use your clay also. You know why? Why? Because he's all about confounding the world where you live. Because see, people out in the world don't really understand your salvation. And why you're excited about living for Jesus. But can I close by telling you about clay. C-L-A-Y. C. Celebrate your conversion. Let people know you're glad you're a child of the king. L. Live like Jesus. That's what it means to be Christian. To be Christ-like or like Christ. A. Advance the kingdom. That's why Jesus said when you get saved, you are my witness. And why? Yearn for heaven. Because you've got a home to go to. When Jesus spits in your dirt... Life springs forth. I want to ask you today, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. How many of you here can say, Brother Sid, somewhere along my journey, maybe when I was a child, maybe a young adult, maybe recently, but somewhere I had that encounter in my devastation. The Holy Spirit began to deal with me. I knew Jesus was doing personal business with me and I asked him into my heart and I was saved. And I know I'm saved. I'm going to heaven when I die. I've got that heavenly home secured for me. How many of you this morning can just raise your hand and say, nobody looking but me. Just I know that's true in my life. Thank you all over the room. Thank you. I praise God for that. But my greatest concern this morning is for those who just can't with a surety say that. I wonder, nobody looking around, please, just me. Me and the Holy Spirit right now. I wonder in a room this size, if there's not four or five people, say, Brother Sid, I need Jesus to spit in my dirt today. I need spiritual sight. I want to be saved. I want to get it right. I don't want to leave here lost. I'm tired of running. Today's the day. This all happened because today was my opportunity. Brother Sid, would you just pray for me? I'm not going embarrass you. I'm not going to come to you. i will not to call you out. I just want to pray for you. All over the room. Is there four, five, one, two, three, ever how many? Would just raise your hand and say, preacher, Brother Sid, pray for me. I want to get it right today. Hold your hand up high. I'm not going to embarrass you. I wouldn't do that for the world. I just want to pray for you. Anybody? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Somebody else? Anybody else? Okay. Let me tell you how you do that. If you've never truly had that experience this morning, the way you have Jesus, the way he's you spitching your dirty, is, you've got to ask him. You pray this prayer silently right where you are. i pray it. You say the words, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died for me. Mm-hmm. I've heard this message, Lord, and I want Jesus to come into my heart save me. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I repent of them. Lord, would you come into my heart, forgive me of my sin, and save my soul? And Jesus, I want to give you my life from this day forward. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around again, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know. If you're here this morning, as best you know how, you just prayed that prayer and you got it right. This time, I want you to raise your hand and look at me. All over the room. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it this morning, hold your hand up and look at me. Anybody. All right. All right. If you prayed that prayer, then I want to encourage you this morning. And I think this church would rejoice with me. Wouldn't you, church? That if you'd come and say, Jesus spit my dirt today, I was blind, but now I see. As soon as we stand to our feet in this invitation time, there'll be some men here to receive you. I want you to step out and come. Make that decision public this morning. Let us rejoice and celebrate with you. Father, this is your time. Holy Spirit, moving power and might. And we just pray that people will respond, lives will be changed.